Carl Jung once said, to ask the right question is already half the solution of a problem. I don't know what that has to do today, but welcome to the Everyday Marksman. This is the podcast where we talk about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. I'm your host, Matt Robertson, and today I'm joined by... I'm the wifey marksman, Allison. So yes, Allison is joining me again today for an Ask Me Anything episode. I've been fielding a bunch of questions over all the social medias, uh, the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, as well as our awesome community of marksmen in the Discord. So that is what we're doing today. We've got a bunch of questions to ask. We're going to get to them. But hey, before we get there, our website is everydaymarksman.co, and there you're going to find today's show notes, as well as our social links, the rest of our podcast episodes, articles, and as always, our awesome community of marksmen. All right, Allison, you ready? I am ready. You're ready. All right. So go ahead and introduce yourself again, because it's been a while since you've been on. Absolutely. I'm Allison. I'm Matt's wife. I assist with all marksman stuff, and I'm excited to do this. All right. So, um, well, let's get to it. So we have a bunch of questions. Uh, these are these are not surprises. But I have done no preparation. I just I just pretty much copy pasted the questions into a document, and Allison's got it now in front of her. So I don't know what's coming and when. Let's do it. Okay. So the first question is: I would like to hear your opinions on reloading. Ooh, reloading. Okay. So this is one of those things that you remember when we lived it back way back many moons ago. We lived in Montana, and I bought a book, The ABCs of Reloading, by. Mr. Lee, the Lee presses. And I was fully intending on getting into reloading for like long range match precision. And I, I've, I've, I still have giant Tupperware bins full of spent brass. I was about to say, I remember being out there with you and collecting everything and putting it in like little poop bags and whatever <laughs> we had on hand. Sounds kind of dirty when you say it that way. But yes, yeah, so we put it in, like they were like little bags you used to pick up your dog poop. Yeah. Anyway, we had him in the car, whatever. But yes, <laughs> I, I've been collecting brass. So to, to to start with this question, I'm a fan of reloading, though I don't actually do it myself. I've long wanted to do it. Uh, I have a whole gift list dedicated to here's all the reloading equipment that I would like to get. And I feel like I change out the press every year whenever a new one comes out. But I've never done it because I think lack of space to do so. And and after like the 2012, 2013 panic where primers are hard to get, I kind of lost interest for a little while. And then here we are again, <laughs> this is the 2020 panic. And once again, components are hard to get. Uh, but I'm a fan because I think I've had a lot of guests in the past who've all said that accuracy is a product of consistency. And the only way you're really going to get like high level consistency is to load your own ammo tailored to your rifle. So how would you even go about doing that? Like, how do you know that it's tailored and that it would be helpful for your particular rifle? So that's a trial and error piece. Okay. You got you to gotta start guessing. Like you can guess, like I can like, I can take the brass and I, I can guess that, yeah, I know a 175 grain Sierra Match King Sumo 308 will probably do well, but the real game is getting the brass clean and then picking the right powder, which I don't know what's going to be ahead of time and the right amount of powder to get the velocity that I want and doing it consistently. It's an art. It's an art that has only gotten more expensive. And I think one of the biggest reasons people used to do reloading was that it was cheaper. It was If you shot in large enough quantities, then it was cheaper to load your own ammo and go shoot it than to buy factory new ammo all the time. 
I don't think that's true anymore. It's, it's probably like it's a wash. Uh, but when it gets to precision ammunition, the long range match winning stuff, that's where it gets more cost effective to do it. And it's, you just have to trial and error it. Mm-hmm. But then all the other factors have to line up too, so that you eliminate maybe, is it the ammo that's shooting better? Is it you that's yeah. shooting better? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's part of it too for me is, is I'm again, I'm a fan, but maybe I'm like, am I to the point yet personally where I know that I shoot better than the factory ammo that I buy? Mm. And maybe sometimes a lot lately, probably not. Next question. Yeah, next question. As someone trying to get the lady into shooting sports, maybe talk about how you and Allison went about that more. Maybe also like what Allison would recommend to other women being dragged into all of this stuff. (laughs) All right. So I feel like I should ask you this question then. For those of you who don't know, we've actually kind of touched on this a little bit in a former podcast. And I would say I came across this kind of by accident. I just kind of discovered that Matt was into guns. And I thought initially, oh, well, I don't know anything about guns. I need to learn to be safe. I never had any intention that I would actually develop like a liking to it or that I would actually be pretty good at it. So at first it was, okay, Matt has guns. I don't know anything about guns. I need to be safe. I don't want to do anything bad. And then it just kind of progressed from there. And Each time we went to the range together, I had more confidence and I had more fun. And that's, I would say that's a huge component. If you're looking to get your lady friend involved is you want to make sure she's having fun. You don't want it to be a stressful experience or upsetting because it can be kind of intimidating to handle a firearm for the first time. And I personally found that I took two rifles a lot better than pistol shooting. So I would say maybe experiment a little and see what she is good at and what she prefers. I'm not very good at pistol. I've had a couple of really good experiences with pistol. Maybe it was just luck. I'm not sure. She says she's not good with pistol, but we went shooting with some friends one time and he was just bought a brand new gun. He was trying to figure it out and Allison picked it up, cleared it to make sure it was safe, loaded it, and then put one right through the bullseye of the target in her first shot. And, <laughs> and luck. luck or not, everybody else, the range was like, of course, Matt's wife would do that. And then she, I, don't, I think you were done at that point. No, I like, did a second did. shot right through the bullseye. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm spent. Um, I don't know. So, so yeah, you want to make it fun. You want to make it something that, that they're going to see, like, I guess you'd see the value of. Yeah. I mean, you could also set it up as that this is a fun hobby that the two of you can do together. I know spending quality time together is really important for just building up a good connection with your loved one anyway. I would also add, be very complimentary and encouraging because that can really build up a lot of confidence. And I've noticed for myself when Matt was actually really good at that when he would say, wow, you're doing really well. And he would even say, wow, you're doing better than I did at my first time at the range. I felt that that actually really made me enjoy the experience even more. So I kind of related to this one. I'm going to jump ahead. There's a question that was, uh, what was the biggest range scare both of you have had? And I feel like that's kind of related to your very first time going to the range. 
Yeah, it was a unique experience. I think I had built up a little bit of anxiety because I put so much pressure on myself to master all the safety rules. I didn't want to be one of those people who you see in YouTube videos who make a mistake. They they keep their finger on their trigger. They shoot it when they're not meaning to. They point it somewhere unsafe. I had built up a lot of this anxiety of, oh my gosh, I just want to do the right thing. So by the time we got there, And there were at least five to 10 other people who Matt knew from work who were also at the range. Immediately, I felt overwhelmed. And I had an experience where I I wasn't quite ready to handle a firearm. And one of the girls at the range was kind of pressuring me to fire by waving her rifle in my face pointed right at me. And I was just like, no, 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 no. That is not acceptable. And I I just didn't want any part of that. So that is one of the safety rules. Do not point at anything you're not willing to destroy. That's right. <laughs> so that was not a good setup to a, to a good first experience. And it's probably, I imagine a lot of people probably would not come back from that one and be like, nope, that was a terrible experience. I'm trying this again. So kudos to you for sticking with it. I stick to things. That's for sure. Um, so for me, I think it's actually kind of related. It was, I took a friend of mine and his girlfriend to the range. It was her first time shooting. And this, this was one of those classic YouTube moments where you hand, you hand, I I handed her a, the Beretta, my M9, and it was fully loaded 15 rounds in the magazine. And she fired one shot, screamed, pointed it into the sky, fired again, and then screamed again, and then started turning towards towards me, pointing the gun. Uh, luckily, my friend uh, managed to like put his arms around her and like stop that from happening, but she was totally going to sweep me with she finger on the trigger. Um, yeah, not a good, not a good situation. So a lot of lessons are not one. Number one, ever since then, whenever I take somebody new to the range, I make them dry fire several times and then I load a single shot That's into smart. the magazine. So in case they ever do that again, like I knew there was only one shot in the magazine. So that was probably my scariest. And I've, I've had other kind of oh crap moments before, but that was probably the worst. I think that's a little worse than my experience, but how would I have known whether or not that one girl's rifle was loaded? I had no way of knowing. That is scary. Next question. Let's say AR pattern rifles are heavily restricted and you are limited in where you can shoot them, but society hasn't got to the point of upheaval. Do you start shooting A, a rimfire tube mag rifle for semi-auto practice, B, a 30 cal bolt gun, or C, do you find a 223 bolt gun so recoil is similar? So I kind of read this as like a couple of questions in one. So like one of them is the fundamental question is, should the day come where ARs are banned and you can't take them out in public again? What are you going to shoot instead? Uh, the other part of that one is, is how are you going to maintain practice? So I think there's kind of two ways to answer this. Um, the first one is really asking yourself, like if you didn't have an AR available to you, but semi-auto rifles aren't banned as a class, which I know that's been on the table in the past, but that's not what's on the table right now. Well, then I still think a semi-auto rifle makes the most sense. And 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 I can think of several that would still fit the bill, like a Mini 14 or, or 
<laughs> I know, I know, I know the guys at Loose Rounds will hate me for this, but an M14 or an M1A, uh, there's lots of options out there. Now, if we're talking having to go total manual action, I think what's the point? We're trying to maintain a rate of fire. So I think something like a lever action, you know, the, the new, oh, I can't remember. It's, it's, I can't remember the company right now, but a lot of the modern lever actions out there are out there that I really catch my eye because I think they're cool looking. So we get a 30, 30, you can shoot that pretty quick. And I do think there's a lot of value in bolt actions too. That's, that's kind of where my, my interests have been drifting lately anyway, but that's kind of where I would, I would go with it. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I can't imagine a world without ARs. That's right. Let's this just be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's what it comes down to for me is I would prior is my priority rate rate of fire or is my priority going to be, you know, power and accuracy. Get both then. Both. <laughs> All right. So uh, here's one for you. Has Allison ever tried on any of my load bearing gear? And if so, what did you like or dislike about the setup? The only type of trying on, I guess you could say I did, was around the house. I've never tried it in a situation at the range. And for those of you who don't know, we are much different in size. I'm five three and he's six one. So trying on his gear, it didn't really fit quite right. But I have to say, I think it's actually pretty cool. I've always had a thing for like pockets, like places to organize things. And I'm always jealous when Matt gets new cool jackets and pants that have all men's clothes just have pockets everywhere. And I love pockets and, and organizing. And when Matt had me kind of helping him with his battle belt, I was like, oh, so this is tinkering. This is what you've been doing in the basement all these hours. It's really nifty. But I mean, Matt, do they make stuff for women? Maybe it'd be smaller. I mean, we did we did size one of my kits for you, like a scale it down so it would fit on you. I think that was like my it's like the minimal minimalist like it was honestly the leftover stuff, but it works. It has hey. it has six I can carry six mags, two canteens, and a little utility pouch in the back, and it fits mm-hmm. works well. So that's your that's you know, when 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 it's the apocalypse and Allison's my backup. That's, that's <laughs> her that's her rig her rig. Yes. Aside from your MVT experience, what is the most strenuous trial your LBE sets have ever seen? So um, this is a good question. Because in the real world, we're not going to be running around outside all the time wearing all of our gear. And and uh, I mean, I had an article go up this week outlining a lot of my stuff. And it's got a lot of pouches and a lot of things. And it's just not the kind of thing that you're going to wear outside a lot. So going to training is the best way to get, get it to shake out. Um, and the next best thing to me is probably competition. So to me, that that's where I've gotten the ne- the most, like next most usage is going to matches and especially action shooting style ones where I've got to stand up, get down, get in the dirt, get back up, move around, shoot, you know, reload, a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I've really only mainly done that with, primarily my battle belt and chest rig. Like a lot of my heavier rigs that we were just talking about haven't gotten that kind of shakeout yet in the field and say that that's just the third best way to do it, which is wear it around and work out in it, work out with it. And if you're going to like 
go out and do gardening. So you're standing up and crouching down and getting dirty. I guess that kind of works. It's, it's kind of there. Um, that's 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 really the extent of the workout that my gear gets these days until the apocalypse. Looking forward to it, <laughs> except not really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe not though. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of LBE of various types. If crap got bad and you had to pick one to help run a checkpoint at the entrances to your neighborhood, which would it be? All right. So continuing on the, the gear questions. Um, so, you know, I go back and forth on this one. I think the most versatile one is probably my combination of the battle belt with the chest rig. That's the one I've written the most about. It's one I, I, I kind of, I, Borrowed the concept straight up from MVT. That's uh, Max Velocity Tactical, the previous question. Um, next to that one, because that one's a lot more like streamlined. But next to that one, I think probably my so-called hot and muggy rig. And that's like uh, based on a lot of Blue Force gear, Beltmanus with some Velocity Systems jungle pouches. That's probably next best because it's still pretty lightweight. and carries a bunch of stuff. The, the biggest downside is sitting down with it kind of sucks. So if you were shooting from a sitting position, is that what you mean? Well, no, I mean like if you're sitting in a chair, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's good, 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 good distinction. Yeah. Positional shooting with it's fine. It works great. Um, but yeah, getting, getting down anything that has a seat back. Cause I have these big pouches across the lower back. It's that's uncomfortable. I mean, if you're protecting the neighborhood, you better not be sitting down in a chair. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Hey, I've, I've seen pictures of snipers and sitting in chairs with a tripod. <laughs> Making in their shot. I guess that's not really a <laughs> checkpoint then at that point. No. Anyway, moving on. Another pile on. Of all the PCs on the market, which one catches your eyes and why? Ooh, plate carriers. Okay, so plate carriers are, I will admit something I don't own. And <gasps> I know. What? Yeah, well, you'll understand when I talk about how expensive they are. I mean, maybe you should stop buying guns and buy a plate carrier. Yeah, before they're banned, I guess. <laughs> um, so if I was into the plate carrier game, and Allison's looking at me right now like, what are you going to say? Because keep in mind, we're talking probably five $600. Like, it's, it's a gun to do this right. That's uh, not that bad. Y'all heard that. Hey, come on. You know, I am the supportive wifey. <laughs> Alrighty then. I guess I'm going to buy a plate carrier. Um, all right. So <laughs> my general trend though, is I want things to be pretty minimalist and, and more or less slick. And the reason I say that is, is obviously I know the trend has always been like attached up to your armor in that way. It's, it's, it's there for you. However, I feel like because I already own so many different sets of, of load carrying gear, I'm probably more in the camp of wear the armor by itself. And I could take my, my gear on and off without interrupting the armor. And if I ditch the armor, I still have all my gear. So it's like you wore stuff on top of the armor, which means I would want it to be pretty low profile. But when would you ever actually wear this? In the apocalypse. <laughs> you keep promising this apocalypse. I mean, the, the real answer is in the apocalypse. And a lot of people say, oh yeah, throw it on in your home invasion. If you have, if you, if you think you have that much time to find. I mean, at like 3 a.m. when we're woken up, I really don't think we're, oh, I got to put that plate carrier yeah, on. Yeah, let me put them, put my plates on. That'd be great if you could. 
I want to throw on my helmet and nods while I'm at I it. I would rather put on my like earbuds so I don't go deaf. <laughs> That's my priority. Yeah. Um, but so aside from that, like really it's going to be, if you, if you expect you're going into a firefight, you know, that's it. Now, um, as far as the ones I prefer, I like the newest one, like the Ferro Concepts FCPC. I think that was a really good looking one. I like the Blue Force Gear um, Plate Menace. And uh, I think about the Cry JPC, like kind of the all sharing a theme there, all pretty lightweight, pretty, pretty minimal, and just let you work around it. Okay. <gasps> it's stuff hits the fan, and you decide to rely on a Milser bolt gun. <laughs> What is it? Um, ah. Ah, make a decision. <laughs> so if the stuff hits the fan and I have to rely on a mill cert bolt gun, I don't know. I feel like my answer here is probably something Mauser based, like old school. Which, I don't know what that means. So that's the classics. I mean, really? So the Springfield 1903, um, the Enfield 1917, I mean, the SMLE style, like those are all great, great rifles for what they were designed to do. Okay. Uh, but honestly, I feel like I don't own any Milsert bolt guns. How much do those cost? I don't know. I have, <laughs> I'm on the spot to answer that one. I just thought that would be funny. <laughs> but I do own other bolt guns, so I feel like it's kind of close. Okay. Uh, but that's probably where I would go. Something something that has a sizable capacity. That's why I like the Enfields. And I can operate quickly. But that's that's where I would go. So I don't know. If I could pick one, it would be probably in an SMLE in 308. Last Me too. Point. That's what I would pick. Definitely. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever heard that sounded too stupid to be true? That's <laughs> a piece of advice. It's too stupid. Sounded too stupid to be true. That's a, that's a hard one. Uh, do you have any? Um, don't eat with your left hand. All right. Yeah, I- <laughs> I have no idea why I came up with that one. <laughs> you can edit that one out. No, it's funny. I'm leaving that in. Oh, okay. Look, if, if you don't understand what that means, go watch the movie Outsourced. You'll get it. <laughs> um, all right. The most valuable piece of advice I've ever heard sounded too stupid to be true. I'm not going to say it sounded stupid, but I think it's something that was, it was just, it sounded just kind of pithy. But it stands out to me as something that has, has served me well over time. And that was when everything becomes a priority, nothing's a priority. Mm. And uh, it was in the context I was when I was active duty, relatively young officer and at uh, in ICBMs and our squadron commander who was just getting torn in a hundred different ways because of all these different initiatives and trying to have inspections and things. He said this to a small group of us where Everybody was freaking out about a coming inspection and he was just like, focus on here's what's important because if everything is important and is a priority, then nothing's going to be important. So here's what you should focus on first and then this next thing and then the next thing. And to me, I think that's carried on through a lot of stuff in my life, both professionally and personally, where it's, you, you only have so much energy and if you fail to prioritize what's actually important to you, then you're going to do a crap job at everything. That's a good point. What about you? Besides, don't eat with your left hand. Nobody's ever given me advice. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Nothing. Nothing. All right. Um, breastfeed the baby till they go to college. 
Okay, that's not true. <laughs> Point taken. Moving on. <laughs> All right, next question. Good. If you could only have one site set up, what would it be? <laughs> okay. So I, I, I get the just this question is on one rifle, if I was like my one rifle and I could only have one configuration of optics, what would it be? I mean, obviously iron sights. Iron sights, definitely. Um, and as much as I like slick fronts, if it's just the one rifle, then I'm going to have a front uh, triangular fixed sight post because it's sturdy. It uh, works well for point shooting. And when you're using magnified optics, it, it kind of blurs out of the way. But a folding rear sight. And then I am ooh, I'm torn because I, I, I think you're just not going to get away from the versatility of a low power variable, probably like a one to eight or a one to 10 with an offset mini red dot. So close second to that one would be a, like a, a cog or a, like my L can with an offset RDS. I think having that additional red dot just gives you a little bit of extra speed and the low power variable just gives you a lot more capability as far as far and distant. Yes. The penalty is going to be weight, but that's a, I think that's a worthy trade off there. I actually like red dot sites. I feel the most comfortable with that. And I'm pretty sure that I have hit shots 400 or 500 yards with a red dot. So yeah, I, I, I yes, you have, <laughs> I was there. I can vouch. Yeah. So speaking of four or 500 yards, I'm going to ask you this question first. What is the furthest shot you've ever made? What did you hit and can you do it consistently? And what did you make the shot with? I'm pretty sure you just gave the answer to this one. <laughs> I would say four to 500 yards AR red dot site consistently on one of those metal plates that pings when you hit it. I think I have hit further though. I don't know if I could repeat that. Yeah. So, so to be clear, because I was there, I can vouch. Allison did this with the, what I call the MCC. So it's one of, one of the ARs you'll see all over the website. It's one that's got the brown furniture on it. So you did it with that one, non-free floated, did it from the prone with an EOTech red dot site. And yeah, it was somewhere between four and 500 yards because that was not a known distance range. It was just, steel silhouette plates out there. So you did that many, many times. Mm -hmm. So well done. Um, for me, um, the furthest shot I've done was 750 yards with a 4X LCAN on top of my M16A5. So 20 inch government profile barrel free floated. I did it from resting the rifle on a concrete bench while I was kneeling because I couldn't get the elevation to it prone. And I, I did it several times. Uh, I probably could, would love to shoot further, but that's actually the, the longest distance I've ever had access to go shoot on a like, regular range day. I have been in ranges that go out further, but it was a match and the match didn't go that far. So I didn't get a chance to shoot out that much further. But so yeah, that's the furthest shot I've ever done. I could do a mile. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So pylon question. What's the furthest shot you've ever done with iron sights? I have actually never shot with the iron sights. Ooh. I know. Fail. Fail. Marksman, uh, wife, you fail. I think for me, it's probably about three to 400. Same range you did. Okay. Same, same like that same range location. 
Um, but I did it with iron sights, but I've pretty much just shot optics since the beginning and iron sights. I t- typically focus on fundamentals at closer in. So the only time I ever stretched them out was probably three to 400 yards. I'm pretty sure when we lived in Montana, you actually took a pistol and shot it at the long range. <laughs> I did. Yeah. And was, you hit what? Like, it was like 110 yards with, oh, a, with a Beretta. I thought it was farther. No. Mm. It, it was, it it was, was pretty cool though. Yeah, I was, I was, I impressed some people that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there you go. That was the bonus question. <laughs> longest distance hit with a pistol. You like, know what this is making me think of that show top shot. <laughs> was what we were watching at the time too. I feel like when we were like, I'm going to try. I actually yards. really liked that show. I thought it was, it was really cool. First few seasons. And then it got worse. It was just fun. All right. Back on, back on here. It's a question for you. What is the most difficult part? about working with me so i'm annoying that's the hardest part working with me (laughs) the hardest part is just being surrounded by your sexiness and just Mm. melting every time i'm with you i'm so leaving that in (laughs) wait can you ask me the whole question sorry what's the most difficult part about working with matt what are some of the challenges that need to be overcome and how were they solved if this is in the context of everyday marksmen I can say there is an evolution with the everyday marksman. It began more as a hobby and my role was definitely more supportive of just encouraging you to take the time. I would go with you to the range. I'd be kind of your photographer. If you had any shots you wanted, we'd work together, but you definitely, you just kind of took the lead. You did it and I would encourage you and you'd say, Hey, an article is up and I'd read it and be like, awesome job. Then it like really took off and you started investing more in it. And I got more involved. I would edit some of your articles and doing more photography, even editing some of the podcasts, or you would ask me for ideas of anything you think I would find interesting. And then of course, being on the podcast. So I think over time, we've kind of learned each other really well. I think what has worked well for us is that instead of, butting heads and competing, we, we like recognize what the other person is good at and we complement each other. I'm definitely more of that creative type and you know that. So you come to me with, Hey, what do you think of this music selection for the podcast episode? Or what mood does this convey to you? Or just helping with the editing since I have kind of an ear for that or with photography. So I would say, that was definitely part of it is just learning to work together and realizing that we're a team and we both have elements to add that it's not just stepping on each other's toes and realizing like we're on the same team here. Mm-hmm. We want it to, we want it to be successful. I will say when things maybe are getting heated, knowing when to take a step back and take a break is really important. Mm-hmm. And also the work life balance because yeah. we have a one year old, you know, you have a corporate job. There's a lot going on. So I think that element of just being really good at communicating. And if it seems like we're overwhelmed saying, all right, I'm going to take this week off from a podcast or whatever it happens to be, because we have something else we need to do. That is extremely important. So what would you add I mean, I think you got a lot of it. I think to me, this goes back to that piece of advice that I was given, which was 
when everything is a priority, then nothing's a priority. And sometimes I feel like me personally, I have run into situations where I feel like everything is top priority. I'm trying to, the website's trying to be grown, trying to run the podcast, write the articles, do great at my day job. And I'm going to be awesome dad, awesome husband. And I can't do all of it. And that's a recipe for burnout, which happened last summer. And I think the advice I need to take, take that advice, which is know what's most important, which is family number one. And, um, you know, then, then the job is going to pay the bills, which, which is not the everyday marksman. And then the everyday marksman, like that's, that's the priority. And then also make sure I take care of myself in there too. And I know personally, even just the fitness piece of it, like when I fell off of the routine, I feel like a lot of stuff gets to me a lot more. And then when I'm actually working out a lot more and making that a priority, like a legit priority, then I handle everything else better. Speaking of the fitness, you may remember there was a recent article about certain physical fitness achievements. And let me just paint the picture. I'm I'm sitting at my laptop doing my thing. Matt comes running up the stairs. Hey, hey, Allison, I need you to do as many squats as you can do in two minutes. I'm like, huh? What? No questions asked. I got up and I did like 50 squats or 57. 50, oh, you remember the remember. number? Awesome. I remember things. I'm a good hubby. And that was the day after leg day in the gym <laughs> and my legs were burning. But I do what I can to support you, babe. That's right. Yeah. I love you. I love you. All right. Next question. What's the oldest firearm each of you has shot? And did you feel weird about it if it was over 100 years old? Ooh. All right. So you go first on this one. I mean, maybe your grand. Yeah, that's probably the oldest. That one's 1942. So it doesn't, doesn't make the hundred year old question, but how did you feel about shooting it? I felt like a badass. Not weird at all. <laughs> no, it was cool. I mean, it's definitely different the way you have to reload it more frequently, but I thought it was cool. All I liked right. it. Nice. Um, so I think for me, the oldest, the oldest one I shot was the Springfield 1903, but I don't know when it was made because it was actually the first center fire rifle I ever did. That's the one that actually is the story of how I got into guns was because I like went off with you my- popped your face with it? Wow. Steal my thunder. Sorry. <laughs> yes, that one. You go back to like the intro episode and I talk about that, but I've been shooting a 22. You popped your face and you were like, I am hooked. Yeah. And then they, and wow, I guess I need new stories. I just listen very yeah. well. So I, I honestly though, when I was, I don't remember how old I was at that point. I don't think I really understood how old that rifle was and what it stood for. Um, I was just like shooting. It's fun. Mm. I think were I to go, have a collection of classic rifles. Now I probably much more appreciate that kind of history. Um, but I don't have the rifles. I have not yet. Not, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Plate carriers, classic rifles. Y'all heard it here. It's coming. <laughs> All right. With political turmoil going on and an uncertain future for the AR-15, along with a whole new generation of gun owners who might not fit into the traditional image of gun people, what do you think is next? You know, I think this is a question asking kind of like, what's the next phase of gun culture? And I think 
uh, it's going to be an inter- interesting transition because I think there was a period from the mid 2000s till probably a couple of years ago where it was all very much focused on people who, who served time in Iraq, Afghanistan, like it's high in military units coming back and teaching how to do that. And that appealed to a very large segment of classic gun culture. You know, I'm part of that where you, you want to go learn how to shoot and move like the pros. Um, but I think this new generation of people who have been buying guns at incredible paces, they're not interested in that. I think they're, they're not about making the gun their lifestyle so much as they are about they have a lifestyle and they want to fit a gun into it. That is interesting because didn't you just interview someone I did. who had preview, that? Preview yeah. for upcoming interview, but he, it was a great point that he made. Um, and I think that's just, it's, it's, it's true. So I think the future is going to be a lot more in probably just general preparedness about thinking about your safety and security and good marksmanship fundamentals and the, and the basics and con- good concealed carry techniques. But I think it's going to be a much broader scope than putting on plate carriers and load bearing gear running around for training courses like you're, you know, a ranger. Mm-hmm. That's where I think, that's where I think it's going to be going. It's going to be more for everyday people in their everyday life. Yeah. Everyday marksmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I, I will cross my fingers. I doubt it. Maybe we'll see an uptick in competition as well as, as a broadening of the church scope of training we can do, but I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. Hopefully the political turmoil stuff doesn't work out. Uh, but, We'll see. Yeah. Non-shooting related. What are you reading right now? What am I reading? All right. So I've got a bunch of, I'm going to answer this. Actually, it's a three part. What I just finished reading, uh, what I'm currently reading and what's coming up because reading is important. Um, as I had, a, as a former, when I was an RTC, I hadn't read a structure. He said, leaders are readers. And I always remembered that. So uh, I just finished reading one called Switch. That was about how to make change in organizations when change is hard. Um, good book. Enjoyed it. Sometimes it was a little like magic hand wavy about like how easy it is to make change in organizations. <laughs> but um, a lot of good, a lot of good ideas. Currently reading Ready Player Two. Um, but I've kind of stalled on it because it didn't grab me like the first one did. Um, the next on deck is Fry the Brain by John West. It's all about kind of insurgent and guerrilla sniping. And then after that is the Long Range Shooting Handbook by Ryan Kleckner. So, wow. Yeah. Bunch of books to read. Not enough time to read them. Yeah. Sounds good. Do you have anything you want to read? Does Reddit count? <laughs> How to wrangle a one-year-old. <laughs> I guess that, yes. I've I've tried reading and my one-year-old runs up to me and grabs the book and throws it across the room. So yeah, that, there's no reading for me. That makes it hard. Yeah. <laughs> Another fun question, which YouTube channels are you following? All right. I want to, I'm actually, we're sitting here. I'm actually going to bring up YouTube and we're going to look at my subscriptions. And I'm going to chime in on which videos or which channels that he subscribes to that I actually really like watching too. All right. I've got 44. So we're going to run down 4X Overland. Uh, this is Andrew St. Pierre White in Australia who has great videos. He's like a filmmaker who now has done this for decades, but he loves like overlanding. Oh, Africa, Australia, just great videos. 
8541 Tactical, John McQuay. Uh, great advice about shooting techniques as well as got me going into 22 competition. Alabama Arsenal. Good reviews. I like their style of video. It's different. It's not talking head. Alan Thrall. 1,000 pounds. <laughs> so Alan Thrall is all about power, like weightlifting. A lot of good weightlifting techniques. Bachelor Fan Take. I'm pretty sure that's not mine. Oh, I didn't think you were going to read that. Yeah. Well, it's there. It's in my subscription list. not lying about it. <laughs> what is Bachelor Fan Take? Bachelor Fan Take. He makes the best recap videos out there. I will admit the Bachelor franchise is kind of my guilty pleasure. I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit it, but I like guns. So that evens things out. That's true. Yeah. Bernadette Banner. Oh, yeah. I can't claim that. You actually like her videos, too. Yeah. She right. she lives in New York City and she. New York she, City. She uh, I think she started out doing costume designs, but she does historical pieces and she's a very interesting person. Yeah. I, th- I think she's really cool. This is all about sewing mm-hmm. and making things. But so hand sewing. She sews most everything just by hand, which is amazing. All right. Uh, Brandon Herrera, the AK-47 guy. Brent0331. Buff Dudes. Yeah, Buff Dudes, yeah. <laughs> Good weightlifting videos. Kali Noir. I like his videos. Corporal's Corner. Oh my gosh, yeah. My son and I watch those videos. Our son. Sorry. <laughs> Our son. Uh, I know you guys do your thing during the day and I hear, I hear, uh, hear you all watching. Every video of his begins with bacon sizzling. I mean, you can't go wrong with bacon. Uh, I got cowboy Kent Rollins. Love his cooking videos. Cooking. Got yeah. dark Lord of optics. That's Ilya. Who's been on the podcast before. Uh, Dave Canterbury, all about bushcraft. Uh, Epic family road trip. Another big overland. Overland. One. Yep. Mm-hmm. Euro Optic, who I think I subscribed to for a giveaway, haven't removed it yet. Uh, Expedition Overland, more Overlandy. Fudbusters, uh, this is a fairly recent channel, but he does some really good informative videos about the kind of legal aspects of firearms ownership. Got uh, Garen Thumb, Mike, <laughs> Gertie, another sewing video. Gideon's Tactical, Go Ruck, Ham Radio Crash Course, Hickok 45, Impact Shooting. Uh, really good videos, you guys in South Africa. Um, Pete, really good videos. Would love to get him on the podcast sometime. Shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, ITS Tactical, Joe Robinette, Bushcraft. Uh, Conrad, who I recently post one, posted one of his couple of his videos about shooting. Really good advice about marksmanship and high power. You got Mike at the last line of defense. Loophole Optics, probably a giveaway. Lucky Gunner Ammo, Max Velocity Tactical. Looks like I'm still subscribed to Matt Best, MCQ Bushcraft, Military Arms Channel, Mountain Tactical Institute, Mr. Guns and Gear, Omaha Outdoors, Peter McKinnon, Photography and Stuff, Primal Outdoors, Primitive Technology. Miss his videos. Really Big Monkey One. This one's new and he's a lot more outdoorsy kind of bushcraft stuff. Uh, Seiko Rifles, Starting Strength. That's uh, Mark Ripito. Great videos. Uh, I got T-Rex Arms. The Fast Lane Truck, The New Rifleman, Lothane, been on the podcast, Venture, Four Wheel Drive, uh, Warrior Poet Society, and Will Brink Fitness. So somebody who I followed from back in the day in message boards. So yeah, 44 channels. I can't say I actually watch all of them consistently, but that's my current subscriptions. A few of those are a little different. Some of these are not like the others. Yeah, I was going to say that. (laughs) 
Well, I think that's all the questions. Wow. Okay. Do you that's have fun. any? Do you have any other ones? What are you going to get me for my birthday? It's already been ordered. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It's dead. What'd you get me? It's a surprise. Actually, it's Valentine's Day, but. Whoa, what'd you get me for Valentine's Day? Surprise. Oh, I already got you something too. Really? Yeah. Oh. It's already in the house. Really? Yeah. I'm going to go find it. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Allison, thank you so much for coming on with me today. Yeah. When are we doing AMA number three? I don't know. This was fun. I don't know. Maybe put it in the comments in the show notes today. Uh, I want to say thank you. You're welcome. Because you're awesome. I love having you on the show with me. Um, hopefully everybody out there got to enjoy it, learn a bit about you, learn a little about me and have some fun while we do it. Thank you for listening to Everyday Marksman. Don't forget to come up by the website at everydaymarksman.co and hit that subscribe button. Join the email list. It is the best way for me to communicate with you, send out surveys going on. You get a lot of input into what's going on with the website, the podcast, the community and everything. All right. That is it for me. Take care. I will talk to you next week. Bye.